Hey, great to have you here this morning. And uh, I'm gonna go so far as to say that not only am I pleased that you're here this morning, uh, but you're actually gonna be pleased that you're here this morning. As we're launching this series, as Jared said, and the graphics up there, my name is Victorious. And that's not, my name is Victorious, my name is Mark. Uh, my name is Victorious. There's a series we're launching today. It's gonna go for five weeks. And the big idea is that we're gonna teach on who God is and talk about five big things that not only that who God is, but what He can do. And not only what God can do, but here's the, here's the real great part of this is you and I are created in the image and the likeness of God. So whoever God is, we have access to that image and that likeness in our own lives as well. And we don't have to live just like everybody else. We don't have to live at a low level. We don't even have to live like we used to live, but we can get a greater understanding of who God is and in doing that, get a greater understanding of who we are in His eyes and what He wants to do in us and through us. Now, uh, I like to uh, grocery shop. I know not everyone likes to grocery shop and praise the Lord for Woolies Online and Coles Delivery and all that sort of thing, but I like to grocery shop. And uh, one of my locals is a place just down here in East Vic Park called Swansea Street Markets. And Swansea Street Markets have uh, fresh, lots of fresh fruit and veg. Um, we're building... Uh, my chicken coop this afternoon, and when I say we, I mean my brother-in-law, uh, and, and I'll be providing the food and beverage. Um, and so I'll be going to Swansea from now on. They have uh, big uh, bowls, big uh, bins of uh, fresh uh, lettuce offcuts, so they'll be feeding the real chickens of Kensington shortly. Um, but I go there, and one of the things that Swansea is actually uh, somewhat unique for is they have these big barrels or big plastic containers full of all sort of interesting uh, grains and, and flowers and herbs and, and spices and, and, you, and, and some of them are white and some of them are orange and some of them are yellow and some of them are red and some of them are green and, and some of them uh, don't smell of anything and some of them are very, very repulsive in just exactly how strong they smell. And, and you just, it's, it's a fascinating walk around to see all these things. And if you are not, uh, from a culture, let's say, or have a background with these kind of things, you wouldn't know what you're looking at except for one very, very helpful addition to the bin, and that is a label. They write on there what it is. And this is really important, by the way, because they have two types of oregano, two types of oregano. They have Greek oregano and Italian oregano. And anybody that knows history knows that you cannot mix the Greeks and the Italians. It never, ever, ever goes well. So the labels are very, very helpful at Swansea Street Markets in the uh, herbs and spice section. Now, whilst labels are very helpful when it comes to food packaging, I've found that they're not always very helpful when it comes to people. Because the chances are that right now, some of you are carrying around labels that you've inherited, labels that have been given to you, or even labels that float around in your inner dialogue that are actually misrepresentative of what's really true of you and what's really on the inside of you. Now, I married a Southern Italian, and so there's always tomatoes orbiting our world. I reached into our little pantry today and I pulled out a tin of pomodori a pezzo, which is, uh, translates, thankfully, on the label. On the other side, diced tomatoes. <laughs> so let's say you go to the store and you go into the tomato aisle and you pull down 
a tin of diced tomatoes because your recipe requires a tin of diced tomatoes. And you get home and the label said diced tomatoes and you get all your mise en place ready to do your little cooking and uh, you open up your tin of diced tomatoes and you pour it out and ugh, chickpeas. The label said tomatoes, but the contents are chickpeas. Let me ask you a question. At that moment, which is true about what's on the inside of the tin? Is it the label or actually what's on the inside that's ultimately true about the contents of that tin? And see, some of you have got labels that you've been carrying around, labels that you've inherited from your upbringing, Labels that have been foisted on you because of circumstances that have come across your path. Labels that have been given to you. Labels that you've fashioned and fabricated in your own head. And they're not true of who you are. You carry them, they're on, but they don't reflect the contents of what's really inside you because what's true of what's inside you is what God put inside you. And if we can somehow reconcile the label and the contents, but start with the content, start with the picture of God has created you and placed something incredible inside you, then any other label other than who God says you are counts for nothing because it's false advertising compared to what and who is on the inside of you. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in Bustleton uh, to compete in a triathlon, and uh, you'll be happy to know I did not get eaten by Bruce the Shark uh, again this time. Um, so that was a, a win before the race even started. We went down, we, we get an Airbnb house, and, uh, and Louis' sister and, uh, and uh, my mother-in-law and our little uh, three-and-a-half-year-old nephew came down, and a little three-and-a-half-year-old nephew, nephew brings his a uh, little uh, uh, ration of toys that he's allowed to bring for the weekend. Can't bring everything. Uh, his, his name's Isaac, and so he, he rolls in with his little, uh, little box of, uh, of cars. He's, he loves cars, and he box of cars and sort of spreads them out on the coffee table. Uncle Mark, play cars. Uncle Mark, come and play cars. Sure, sure, okay, okay, I, I can't play cars, so I go over there sit on next to the coffee table and he grabs, he likes uh, utility things. He likes bin trucks, you know, dump trucks. He goes in bin trucks. He likes bin trucks. He likes fire engines and he really likes police vehicles. And so he, he reaches for a police uh, car and he reaches for another sort of Hot Wheels like a getaway kind of, kind of car and he gives me the, 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 the getaway car. I think, that's pretty cool. And he says, Uncle Mark, you can be the baddie. Okay, all right. So I play and he's, I'm getting away from the police, chased on on the coffee table. Later that afternoon, Uncle Mark, come play cars with me. Sure, Isaac, I'll come play cars with you. So we sit down next to the coffee table and he picks up a police motorcycle this time and he picks another quite get fast car and he hands me the get fast car and he says, Uncle Mark, you can be the baddie. I'm like, sure, I'll be the baddie, no worries. Next day, Uncle Mark, come and play cars with me. You're sure I say, I'll come play cars with you. Go over to the coffee table. He picks up a police vehicle. He picks up a fast car. He gives me the fast car. He says, Uncle Mark, you can be the baddie. And I'm like, listen, I said to him, listen, kid, how come every time we play cars, I'm the baddie? <laughs> I kid you not. This three and a half year old kid shoots me a look straight out of a Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> Did not say a word, but I knew in that moment the eyes that he was giving me translated something like, my toys 
my rules. <laughs> so I processed that look that he gave me. And I shut him back a look of my own. And my look loosely translated to, listen, kid, I bought you half of these cars. You're three and a half years old. I'm 49 and a half years old. In the next 10 seconds, I can put every single one of these cars and you in the bin and there is nothing you can do about it. The next time, Uncle Mark is not gonna be the baddie. Well, that didn't work. Uh, he's coming over this afternoon and I can tell you in advance, I'm gonna be the baddie. But this baddie, I actually hadn't heard that expression. It's kind of cute, right? I'm the baddie, it's kind of cute, kind of harmless when a three and a half year old kid that wants to play uh, cops and robbers with you calls you the baddie. But you know, some people actually walk around with the label that they are bad. And I don't mean the people that are locked up in prison, although some of them might, although I'm also told that nobody in prison is actually guilty of anything. Uh, just ask them. Um, but you know, if you've ever had something bad done to you, maybe you were abused in your past, maybe you were rejected or abandoned growing up, maybe you've had something done to you recently, maybe, maybe you've been betrayed by some people that you trusted and, and you thought were your friends or, or, or were close confidants. Something bad happened to you I've seen people actually carry around the label. They take something bad that happened to them and they start to see themselves as actually being bad. In fact, I've even seen and know some people who have taken it one step further. This thing has gotten so deep in, into who they think they are that, 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 that not only do they carry around the label as being bad because something bad was done to them, but actually... It's being driven deeper because they think what's actually, what was actually wrong with me in the first place that caused that thing to be done to me that I thought I didn't even deserve. And this label gets stuck on them. Some people have failed in something and, and, and now have let that become a label and they start to see themselves as a failure. Um. Some people have been abused and now they carry around the label victim. Some people have tried. It's something that they thought God wanted them to do and it didn't work out and they carry around the label not enough. I'm obviously not enough because if I was, then that thing would have gone better. Some people carry around the label of unworthy. And these labels, bad and victim and not enough and unworthy, can actually get in the way of people fulfilling the thing that God's called them to do because what gets between the label and their calling is this assumption that my name is unqualified. And that's what I wanna talk today about. If you think because of the label that you're carrying around, your name is unqualified, that you are unqualified for what God's called you to do, then you're gonna be glad you're here because God's got something He wants to do and He wants to switch the label up today. It's not the first time we've talked about being unqualified. In fact, uh, some time ago, we taught a whole series around from this book by Stephen Furtick, the book's called Unqualified, how God uses broken people to do great things. 
you're someone who has been broken or feels broken, you're actually in very good company. You're in very good company with some serious historical biblical heavyweights who God did incredible things in and through despite them beginning the journey seemingly being unqualified. And I wanna encourage you, uh, slice back through our podcast, and I think we taught for about three or four weeks on this. Uh, if that's you, then, then each of those 30-minute messages are gonna be better than anything you can listen to on the way to work or out walking your dog or wherever it is you listen to great podcasts. I wanna introduce you this morning to somebody who was on the surface very unqualified for what God was calling him to do. If you've got our Elevate app installed, you can uh, tap that open and tap the Bible. And uh, if you haven't got it installed, you can install it. And, and by the way, am I saying installed? Who says that? Uh, downloaded. Is that better? Jeez, I sounded like my mom. Uh, what, what's this internet thing you keep talking about? Um, Little uh, PSA, by the way, uh, this week, starting tomorrow, you'll see uh, the section there, Elevate Group Notes. We're actually gonna be start pushing out, uh, pushing out our Elevate Group Notes for the year with this uh, series as being the launch pad. So today's message is gonna be fabricated and fashioned into Elevate Group Notes. A lot of our Elevate Groups have started meeting in the last couple of weeks and we're gonna be drilling into to that. Our Elevate Group is meeting Tuesday night and the topic that we're gonna be talking about is the very topic that we're talking about right here and now. So grab the app. But if you wanna tap the Bible uh, tile, the bottom left, it's gonna take you to a, a book called Judges. And it's gonna actually, and, and I'll get into this, we're gonna actually land on a guy named Gideon. Now, to give you some context, Gideon was a farmer in Israel. He was an Israelite and he was a farmer. And, 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 and one of the problems about being a farmer around the time of Gideon being a farmer in Israel, is every time it came harvest time, their neighbours, the Midianites, would actually swoop in and would, and would pl uh, plunder all of the harvest and take the harvest away, leaving the, the Israelites with literally nothing to live on. So it was not a good time to be an Israelite. It was especially not a good time to be a farmer. And the nation of Israel would often find themselves on the, on the edge of starvation. And so enter Gideon. One day, the angel of God came and sat under the oak in Ophrah. Yes, that's what she's named after. And yes, her parents didn't realize they'd spelled it wrong in her birth certificate. And yes, that's why she's now called Oprah. All right, end of story. Stop getting distracted. The royal wedding's over. This is not Oprah. Let's focus, people. Ophrah, that belonged to Joash, the Abdelazite, uh, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press out of sight of the Midianites. The angel of God appeared to Gideon and said, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Now, I need you to go with me. I'm a visual person. I need you to picture this, right? Gideon was hiding out of sight in a wine press. He was becoming a prepper, trying to get some, some food ready, probably some bottled water stashed away for when the Midianites would inevitably come for him. He was carrying around a few labels around that time. He, he was carrying around the label abused because every harvest time he was tormented and abused by the Midianites, he was likely feeling sorry for himself, which we can label someone victim because of what's happened to them in the past. And hey, he's hiding, real, real good stuff, Gideon. So fair enough to label him coward. And yet the angel comes along and speaks on God's behalf and doesn't call him any of those things. 
doesn't label him with any of those things. In fact, gives him the only label he wasn't wearing, calls him mighty warrior. The label that God gave Gideon in that moment had absolutely zero connection to Gideon's past and actually had absolutely zero connection to Gideon's present circumstances because God doesn't label us based on our past. God doesn't even label us based on our present. He labels us based on our potential. He labels us based on our calling. He labels us based on the fact that He knows what's inside the can, despite what may be misrepresented by the label anyone might have at a particular point in time. So you're not who your past says you are. You are who God says you are. And your future isn't limited by your past. Your future is unleashed by God. Gideon, oh mighty warrior. It was probably a good thing he was on his own right now because if anybody else had seen Gideon hiding and prepping and heard God call him a mighty warrior, I think it would be forgivable for them to have let out a few cheeky sniggers. But I'm not talking about denial. The blood of Jesus washes us clean of our sins, but it doesn't always wash us clean of our memories. It's not about denial of your past. It's not about denial of your present. It is, however, about those things no longer having power over us, no longer having the power to define us, no longer having the power to limit us, and certainly no longer having the power to label us. I am not my past, I am not even my present. I am who God says I am and he's always pointing to potential because he knew and knows who were, you were created to be. So I'm not talking about denial, I'm talking about a new label, about transformation. And this process starts with us taking hold of our real name there's a very uh, popular blog and it's uh, now translated into social media, uh, 18, 25, 30 million followers, depending on who you, who you believe, a lot of followers, um, called the Humans of New York or H-O-N-Y. And uh, typically all it is, it's a photo blog and it's, they've released a coffee table book in, in recent times, the Humans of New York. And essentially they, they just post up somebody from New York City and uh, kind of rando person, um, and, and just give a little slice of their story or their situation or uh, a little bit of that. It's just really fascinating uh, when you think of New York as being this melange of nameless, faceless people or celebrities. There's just these everyday people. And uh, one of them they put up uh, just recently as a 16-year-old girl. And uh, <laughs> her name is Beyonce. When Beyonce was 16 her uh, family moved from Philadelphia to New York. And Beyonce, as you'd expect, was required to start at a new high school. And Beyonce went to class dreading that first day of school because she knew that at that first day of school, the teacher would call out the roll. 
Well, the teacher called out the role. And yeah, it's going to come as no surprise to you that as soon as her name got called out, the entire class started singing all the single ladies. All the single ladies. So Humans of New York put up her story and a little commentary about that. And it went viral. And here's some of the responses. Jennifer Lopez said, I can relate to this. Bridget Jones said, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me about my diary, Abia Khan said, my name is Abia Khan and people won't stop calling me Abia Khan. Mayo Nyes said, try being named after a condiment. Kind of and Shakira Lamb said, I feel your pain. Every time someone hears my name is Shakira, I get asked if my hips don't lie. <laughs> Take hold of your real name. Don't be ashamed of your real name. Don't settle for the labels that your past or that other people have put on you. If you don't know what your real name is, let me give you a few hints. So if our real name is who God says we are, let me give you a few hints. God says you're his child. For some of you, that could be the breakthrough that God had for you this morning because some of you maybe grew up very unloved, grew up in a household where, where being someone's child wasn't actually a precious prize that you were given. In fact, it was something you couldn't wait to get out of. But God says, no, you are my child. And because I'm the king and you're my child, you can now live as a son and a daughter of the almighty king, the God most high. That's your real name, child of God. God says you're forgiven. Your real name is forgiven. And there's a potential that some of you have actually asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And you've prayed the prayer like we do. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. And by the way, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray that prayer with us uh, before we finish today. And if you've never prayed that prayer and asked God for his forgiveness, it's available to you today. But yet I've met people who've prayed that prayer and asked for God's forgiveness. And, 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 and here's the problem. Their sins have been wiped clean, but their memory hasn't been wiped clean. And so they haven't been able to break free of the guilt and the shame of their sins, of the thing, things that they've done in the past. And because of that, they haven't actually been able to marry up this concept of being forgiven and then the reality of actually living forgiven. You are forgiven. That is your real name. You're called. You are called. That's on your label. You are called. You may think you're unqualified. Here's the thing. This is an old school preacher saying, and I'm gonna say it. I don't like saying old school preacher sayings, but I'm gonna drop this one. And this is a mic drop moment and I'm dropping it because it's true. God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. I'm gonna say it again. Gavin, is this microphone on? Are you sure? Because I just said something that I thought would elicit a thunderous response and it seems like nobody heard me. Can we just check this? Hello, hello, on, is this on? Okay, good. 
Thanks, thanks Gavin, thanks for rectifying that. Now that it's on, let me tell you this, God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. Gideon was, was a coward hiding underground, prepping, getting his flippant tin tomatoes ready for the end of the world. And God says to him, buddy, yeah, yeah, you're unqualified and I'm gonna call you mighty warrior because God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. Take a hold of your real name, you are called. Well, the story continues. Gideon replied, having just been called, oh mighty warrior, with me, my master, if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Well, again, you know, I could slice that off and say people think that, that God's only about unicorns and rainbows and if you follow Jesus, nothing bad ever happens to you. I can't get into that right now. Where are all the miracles and wonders our parents and grandparents told us about, telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? Just snarky sarcasm, in case you missed it. The fact is, God has nothing to do with us. He's actually turned us over to Midian, but God faced him directly. God doesn't mind you getting up in his grill. He's a big boy. He's got big pants. He wears them. You can ask him questions. He's not intimidated. God faced him directly. Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I just sent you? Smart ass. When you zoom out, and Tanya encouraged us to do that, when you zoom out and read the whole book of Judges, what you'll see is you'll see a pattern that the nation of Israel repeated time and time again. See, prior to the time in history that the book of Judges was recorded, Israel had typically had a king, a king of Israel. Yet for this season in their life, they didn't have a king because they got a little bit unruly, a little bit reckless. God would appoint a judge, just like a, like a temporary thing and in the absence of a king, appointed judge, and that judge was responsible for leading Israel forward and, and leading them out of trouble. And so we see you, you, you read about a pattern that would happen where a judge would be appointed, that, that judge would lead Israel out of trouble, that Israel would celebrate how good God is, you know, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, which is we only praise Him when things are going good, right? Thank you, God, thank you, God. But then, you know, things keep going good and uh, the Israelites would start to forget about their God and would start to worship the gods of their neighbours. And in doing so, over time, they would drift away from God. See, very few people actually spin 180 away from God. What's more common is people slowly drift away from God. And uh, then they found themselves in bad circumstances again. And God would appoint a new judge and the new judge would lead them back out of the problems. And then they'd celebrate the one and only God. But then over time, they'd start to kind of forget about the God that led them out and they'd start to worship the gods within that. And this went on and on this pattern, repeated itself. One of the most important things you read when you read about this pattern is the writer would always tell you the exact same reason why they drifted away from God and found themselves washed up on the rocks. You'll see these words written time and again through the book of Judges. People did whatever they felt like doing. <clears throat> and when you see this, you can probably think about some of your non-Christian friends and, and, and this is how they live. You can read the news headlines and you'll see story after story after story of people that this describes 
the motivation behind what they do. You can interview people in prison and you'll find that there's a lot of people that this is the reason they're in prison. You can find a lot of people in financial difficulty and you'll re- find that this is that you'll find people with health issues and you find that this is the re- you but here's 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 what I want to show you this morning. I meet a lot of people who tell me they're Jesus followers that this is how they live. Take a little bit of Oprah, a little bit of Dr. Phil, mix it in with a couple of my more recent inspirational Instagram quotes that I read. And, you know, sounds kind of like God. And, you know, I just kind of do this because I like to do it and, and it makes me feel good and... and uh, Now, I'm not a, I, like as, as a church leader, I, I don't like to be a jerk. I'm not saying I never am. I just, it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> but it's never my motivation. And so I don't sort of walk around, and none of our leaders walk around playing God's policeman and, and, and try to track people down who are doing whatever they feel like doing. But if I've got a relationship with someone or someone comes to me for some, some advice and I start to, reframe some of their life choices by showing them what God would actually want them to do, which I kind of opened the Bible to do that, Don't, not Facebook. And um, I've lost count of the number of times when I've said, someone's explaining how they're living and some of the choices they make and, I, and they say, you know, like, doesn't seem like, you know, this is kind of working for me. And I say, well, God's kind of got this angle on it, like, he he kind of he kind of want you to do this instead. I've lost count of the number of people who've said to me, "Well, I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want." First of all, as if I didn't actually notice that they're an adult, because like you you're more than four foot tall. They say, "I can do whatever I want," and I say, "I know you can, but why would you want to do whatever you want?" if God's got something different. Because here's the thing, God's different is never worse. God's different is always better. And when God says, do this and not this, it's not because he's trying to limit you, it's because he's trying to release you. So yeah, you can do whatever you want, but why would you want to? Why wouldn't you want to say, God, am I off base here? Am I, am I, and so this is, this was the true north for the people of Israel and they blamed God for abandoning them but the truth is that God never moved and it was them that abandoned God. But God said to Gideon, go in this strength that is yours. Another version of the Bible says, go with the strength you have. God never asks us to start with what we don't have. He always asks us what is in your hand now. Let's start with that. Go with the strength you have. He doesn't play the comparison game. If only you had that person's strength, then you could actually serve me. You could actually do something. He never says that. Because the label, your label is different from their label. Your contents are different from their contents. So he doesn't say, well, if, if you had their strength, then maybe we could, maybe I could use you. No. What strength do you have right now? Well, God, it's not the strength that I really ultimately want. I'm not asking you that. I'm just asking you, what strength do you 
currently have. If all you've got is the strength to take one next step, then flip and take one next step. You might not know if you're gonna make it to the finish line because you don't know if you've got the strength for that yet, but if you've got the strength for one next step, take that next step. Gideon, go with the strength you have. Well, Gideon. (laughs) Gideon. But Gideon said to him, (laughs) me, my master? How and with what could I ever save you? He'd already told him, the strength you have. We're gonna start with that. How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the runt of the litter. So here we have Gideon, a defeated, cowardly farmer, who's hiding out and now he's putting more stuff up to get in the way of him ever being able to do what God is explicitly calling him to do. God, I'm not only a coward, I'm not only hiding, I'm not only defeated, I'm not only abused, I'm not only a victim, I also got born into this family that's the weakest around. And not only that, I'm the weakest of the weakest. Labels, these now were the labels that Gideon was putting on himself. Again, God ignored them. Didn't even acknowledge Gideon's stupid comments and merely said the truth, merely spoke the truth. Didn't look at Gideon's past or his present. He spoke to his future and said, I will be with you. Believe me, you'll do it. And so your key to fulfilling the calling that God has has to be remembering who's with you. Even if your inner dialogue is, I don't know if I can, the next sentence, I'm with you. I don't know if I can raise these kids, God. I mean, they look so cute in the hospital. I will be with you. God, I don't know if I can get out of debt. Go with the strength you have and know that I'll be with you. God, I don't know if I can overcome this health issue. Go with the strength you have and know that I will be with you. God, I don't know if we can start giving financially into the church. Go with the strength you have and I'll be with you. And and by the way, just let me give you a little bit of a freebie there. If you're, and this isn't me throwing shade on anybody, but if you're someone that's yet to to start giving financially into Elevate because you don't think that you can, because you've got a label of not enough, Here's what I tell people, and I've never, I've never said it publicly. I've had this conversation several times this week, though. It's kind of why I feel like I'm meant to say it publicly. Give something. Start giving $5 a week. This is not a fundraising pitch. This is about trusting that God will be with you, even in your financial world. In, uh, in uh, India, how about music team coming up? In India, and I mean, uh, I don't mean woo, 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 India, I mean, hello, hello, India. In uh, India, in India, I was advised not to do that, but I was advised by people whose opinion I don't f- listen to. So, uh, well, 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 just obviously I don't listen to. Cause, anyway, all right. All right. There's, add that to the list of people I've offended this year. Uh, it's getting quite a list. In India, 
you may or may not know, they have a caste system, C-A-S-T-E, caste system. And essentially, it's kind of getting blurred and it's kind of being diminished over time. It still, it still exists, and particularly in more remote parts of India. And uh, the, the top caste are kind of, like, kind of like royalty, kind of like revered and this and that, and they have privileges and so on and so forth. And you go down to the fourth and, and, and lowest class, and they're referred to as the untouchables. And, the, and if you're an untouchable, you're never called by name. You're called untouchable. You, you never have any physical intimacy and interaction with, with people around and, 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 and get demonstrated that you love because you're not considered someone worth loving. You're called an untouchable. And you're born into that and you don't have any, any way to get out of that. You didn't choose it. The label was given to you, but you carry that label every second of your life. And thankfully, things are starting to change. In this one village in India, they uh, gathered together 285 girls, untouchable girls. And they asked those girls to get dressed in their very best dress and to come to a ceremony that they were putting on. And at that ceremony, each of those 285 girls got to actually give themselves a new name. And they got to choose the name. So one of them chose the name Good. If you've been called untouchable all your life, then good, that's a massive upgrade. Another one called herself Beautiful. No one in her life had ever called her beautiful, and so she decided she was gonna call herself beautiful, given the opportunity to be called by a new name. And this is my favorite. One of the girls decided her name, new name was gonna be Tough as Rocks. You may have called me untouchable for all my life, but I've got the opportunity to have a new name, a new label, and my new label is gonna be Tough as Rocks. Every time you talk to me, you call me Tough as Rocks. And they had this ceremony. And in that instant, in that moment, these girls had a brand new name, a brand new label, a brand new identity. And I'm so bold this morning and I feel and trust God so much this morning that I think some of you right now are ready for a new name even before you leave this place. That, that you don't need any more time to process. You're given opportunity and God's revealed something to you about the labels you've held and the label He wants to give you. I, I wanna do something we haven't really done before, but I wanna have a ceremony just like theirs, that right in this moment that you can actually have a brand new label and your label is qualified. That who you are and what God's put in you and what He's called you to do, that you may never felt qualified, your past may not point to you being qualified, but God's revealing something and has revealed something to some of you this morning that you're in fact qualified. And if that's you this morning, I want you to do something bold. I want you to stand right now. We're just gonna sing a little bit of a song and then I'm gonna pray for you, for those people standing right now. Whatever that label was, I'm gonna sing a little bit of a song we've already sung this morning called Do It Again. If God could give Gideon a new label, then he can give you a new label. And so Gideon's label didn't just reflect him having a new name, it actually reflected him having a new trajectory. That Gideon's family didn't have to grow up as cowards. Gideon's family didn't have to grow up 
in fear. Gideon's family didn't have to grow up with the labels that Gideon had started with, that God gave him a brand new label and it altered and gave him a new trajectory and the people around him and the generations after him. This is huge, guys, huge. Let's sing. God, I don't know the story of everyone standing here, but you do. I don't know the label that, that, that people came in with, God, but you do, and they do. So God, I'm praying right now in this moment that this is a renaming ceremony. That God, you are giving people a brand new name. You're revealing something in them that they had masked by the label that was on them. People that have walked in with a label of failure, the label of abused, the label of victim, the label of unworthy, the label of not enough, the label of failure, that in this moment, God, that You are giving them a brand new name. You are shining Your light of love on the contents that were there all along, but You're slapping a brand new label on them that reflects the contents that You'd put in them. God, I pray in this moment that the people standing, that this day will be a definitive day in the arc of their lives. That this day, this revelation, will alter the trajectory of their life. That will alter their today. That will alter their tomorrow. That will alter generations. That will alter workplaces. That will alter families. That will alter futures, God, as we step towards the calling You've placed in us, knowing that You don't call the qualified, but You qualify the called. In Jesus' Name. Amen. Gang, fantastic. I'm so proud of you for standing. Brilliant, brilliant.